Grace and peace to all the saints and um, to all those who are listening. Um, I pray that your life is blessed uh, with your communion with God and your fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And uh, I pray that as we meditate upon the Word of God today, uh, that your life will be ministered and that your soul will be nourished, your mind can be stretched, your heart can be stretched, and we can know God a little bit more. And um, I want to talk about um, what it is to be a Christian. What does it mean to be a Christian? And so that's a good question to think and to think about and to ask ourselves, what does it mean to be a Christian? And I want to use Romans chapter 12 uh, to discuss that question and to look at it and analyze it. And one of the reasons why I'm, I'm posing that question is uh, many of you can say, well, uh, well, that's an obvious question and that's pretty simple to answer. And it is pretty simple to answer. Uh, but looking at the times that we're living in right now and, um, and uh, realizing uh, what, what's going on around us and, and just meditating upon that, I thought it'd be interesting and I thought it'd be very good to be remind the saints um, and remind those who may just have the question, what does it mean to actually be a follower of Jesus Christ, to be a Christian? And I, like I said, I want to use Romans chapter 12, although we can use other chapters or the verses uh, to back up uh, the claim um, and to back up the answer. Uh, but specifically, I want to focus on Paul's words uh, to the Romans. And, uh, and at first, I want to begin with verses 1 and 2. But be, before that, let's begin in prayer and ask the Holy Spirit to open up our minds and, uh, and give us uh, just a hunger for the Word. And that we can analyze Scripture and that we can know Him more and love Him more. Heavenly Father, we ask you this a beautiful uh, day, Lord, that you open up our minds and hearts as we visit Scripture once again um, as we visit this question of, of the Christian man, the Christian woman, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ today, right now? Lord, I pray that as always that your Holy Spirit open up our minds and understanding and that my brothers and sisters listening to this um, at different places, different times will be blessed by this and that they can draw closer to the word. And uh, for those who don't know you, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will draw them in, Lord. I pray that the power of the, the Spirit will just work in their minds and hearts and that they will know you more and, um, and that the church can be nourished and, and just grow by your word, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Romans chapter 12, uh, verses, uh, we're going we're gonna to go through the chapter and, um, and we're going to look at uh, basically the 20, 21 verses and just at a, at a snapshot, an overview, um, like I said, to, to look at that question of what it means to be a Christian. And a couple things is, well, obviously you may say, well, to be a Christian means to be born again. It means to be forgiven of my sins, to be justified, uh, just, if I have, just as if I have never sinned. Um, and to be adopted into the family of God, to be part of a community, of the community of faith, to be part of a, a living body, an organism, the body of Christ. Uh, to be um, uh, part of the local church, to be, uh, to be uh, somebody who studies the scriptures, a prayer, uh, a man of prayer, a woman of prayer. All those things can be true and are true. However, I want us to look uh, um, a little bit uh, into the, the ethics part, into the behavior, uh, because all those things are true. And uh, to be justified for our sins, uh, blesses the man whose, whose uh, iniquities have been forgiven, whose transgressions have been forgiven and that is true and I want to look at the part uh, that involves us um, God's part is the big part and it is the most difficult part and we praise the Lord uh, for his saving power and grace in our lives and I want us to visit the scriptures and looking at what does it mean to marry theology and ethics 
as we look at the Apostle Paul when he writes to the Romans, again, this is a beautiful systematic uh, uh, letter, and uh, it is beautifully laid out. And when it, uh, you know, as Paul, um, you know, he was a master teacher, and he married these two things, theology and ethics, beautifully. And uh, as a as a master teacher at this, he knew how to take the church into the heavenly places. Uh, he knew how to take the church into those places um, where we see a big God, a mighty God, the almighty, the all-powerful. Uh, and he shows us who is our God uh, and what, who is the God that we serve. Um, you know, but as a, as a good pastor, you know, uh, a loving pastor, he knows how to not only elevate us to the highest points in theology, but he also marries that with the Christian behavior and he brings us down to the earthly. And uh, by, by that I mean that the people of God live as the people of God. That we don't just have theology, uh, uh, you know, in our minds, but that we actually have a living faith. And, um, and, and as, a, as a pastor, the Apostle Paul brings us into this, this biblical guidance uh, to everyday living. Uh, the everyday life is what demonstrates the, 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 the miracle that God has done called salvation in our lives. And uh, he moves us to a living faith. Uh, this is a, this, the living, you know, it's not just faith alone. You know, if faith is alone, it's not truly faith. Faith, you know, it's a living faith. You know, Christianity is about the power of God working through redeemed sinners, you know, to, to infiltrate, to, uh, to come into a sinful world. And, and penetrate it with the gospel of Jesus Christ, with the kingdom of God. And he makes a practical exhortation to the church to stay the course, to keep the faith, you know, to live this faith out, to always be reminding us uh, uh, of who we are in Jesus Christ as of now, as of right now. And so the Christian life is truly one of sacrifice. And we're going to see this, that it's one of, of a living sacrifice. And in verses 1 and 2, it says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and is perfect. And Paul lays out a magnificent cadence to the Christian's lifestyle. For all generations, so we see this pattern here that is that is it's just mighty and, and, and just by looking at it, it, you know, it's very self-explanatory that we are called. To, we have a high calling, and uh, and Paul lays this out in a beautiful way. And again, there's this rhythm to it. There's this cadence uh, that we must follow, and it's and it helps us understand the scriptures more. And again, this is for every generation, no matter the circumstances um, around us. You know, our calling to live as Christ doesn't change. And, and again, that is why I wanted to use this chapter, because the church has always been under pressure, persecution, affliction, trials. Uh, you know, the church has always been in positions uh, where we're marginalized, where we're not too accepted in society, where society wants to change what, what we do in worship. Uh, where society wants to tell us what worship is, where the people want to tell us how to preach the word, where people want to change and modify scripture. We have to understand that we live in, we live in difficult times. And, um, and our marching orders remain the same. They remain the same until he returns. The world is always trying to shift our way of thinking, 
our way of living to follow the trends of the world. And that's why Paul, when he writes this, we need to be living sacrifices. So what does it mean to be a Christian? And number one, it is that our bodies belong to God. Our bodies, if you are a man or a woman who has given their life over to Jesus Christ, you have also given this mortal flesh over to him. We, we are not our own. And the Christian life is a living sacrifice. We're not promised a rosy road. We're not promised a life better and easier than Jesus. We're not promised a life easier than the prophets, than those who came before us. We're promised that God will be with us at all times. And that is why we must be reminded, what does the Bible say about being a Christian? It does not mean that we fold into what society says. This doesn't mean that we uh, simply change the word to make it more politically correct. It doesn't mean that we modify things to bring more people into the, into the, the house of God. No, what it means is that we preach the gospel with power, with faith, with love, in fullness. We preach all of Christ in the power of Christ at all times. And we believe that the Holy Spirit is the one who draws hearts. And we believe that it is the Father working with the Son and the Holy Spirit. It is triune effect. The, the Christian must understand this, that we are not to be like the world. Again, this may seem like a Sunday school lesson, and it maybe is. Uh, but it is the truth that we are not to be uh, like the world. We are to be like Christ. And Paul exhorts the readers after telling them, who they really are and where they stand. We see this in chapter 11. And he, and he reminds them, he says, look, because the Jews were unbelieving, they were somewhere broken off and we were grafted in. And, and, and he reminds the church and he says, look, you know, you are not to be arrogant. You are not to be conceited. You are not to be disobedient. Knowing all this, who you were before, and now you are part of the family of God. You were grafted in. You know, now you are partakers of the rich root of the olive tree. We've been grafted in by grace and faith through the power of God. You know, we are not to be arrogant in these times. We are not to be conceited. We are neither more nor less. You know, we are not to be disobedient. And that's why when Paul begins chapter 12, he says, therefore. So in other words, he says, you know, because of this, and, and then comes chapter 12, because, um, because of who you are in Christ now, this is how you ought to be living. You are not to be arrogant. You are not to be conceited. You are not to be disobedient. But we must be grateful. We must be people who are humble. We must be people who are teachable. And um, we must be people who stand upon the word of God. So we must take this new position in Christ as serious as possible. Um, you know, it, it's, it's the fear of the Lord that is the beginning of true knowledge, of true wisdom. And this fear of the Lord allows us not to fear the world, not to fear what's going on around us, because we know who God is. We know that He reigns. We know that He is above every problem. We know that He is greater than anything in this world, than anyone in this world. He who is in us is greater. And we know that this is the doorway into knowing Him more. When I acknowledge who God is in my life, and I give my life over to Him, I allow the Spirit of God to lead me, and I walk by the Spirit, I, I, I think in the Spirit, I act in the Spirit, you know, I treat others as Christ would treat them. That's what it means to be a Christian. And so, by the mercies of God, you know, he begins with saying this, and when he says by the mercies of God, those, you know, that are never ending, those who are new, the, the, the mercies of God are new every morning. 
You know, Paul pleads to the Christians to be holy in a difficult world. And he draws them in and he says, by the mercies of God, not my mercies, but by his mercies. Look to what he has done. Look to who he is. By his mercies, let us be different. This is the time for us to shine, not to fold, not to say, well, you know what? Let's just delete this off scripture. Let's just close this book. No, this is the book that has the power. This is the word of God. And it is foolishness to all those who are perishing. And it is our job to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. We are to preach the gospel in power now more than ever in reliance of the Holy Spirit. So our bodies belong to God. So that is a good question. What does it mean to be a Christian? Number one is our bodies, these fleshly, uh, these fleshly cages, they belong to God. Romans 6.13 tells us, Do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Our bodies are to be vessels of honor and sanctification, instruments to be used by the mighty God, not dirty, not defiled, not arrogant, not conceited, not disobedient. We ought to be cleansed with our, by a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we ought to present ourselves, not, not present just our mind. Again, Paul marries theology and ethics in one. They're, they cannot be separate. You cannot be a theologian who lives like the devil and expect to impact the world. You cannot be the all-knowing of, of every doctrinal truth and not apply it to your life. That has no power, no merit. And so what we need is theology and ethics tied together at all times. What we preach is what we live. What we live is what we preach. We preach with our mouth. We preach with our life. We preach with our mind. We preach with our actions, with everything. Who we are. And our bodies are not our own. In 1 Corinthians 6.19 it says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? Again, Paul reminds the church, you are not your own. I know the world tells us you can do whatever you want with your body. The, your body is yours. Uh, you know, and no, the, our bodies belong to God. It doesn't belong to us. Being a Christian is understanding this, that my life is completely God's. I know the world has different definitions, but that's why we go to the source, to the scriptures. And true believers ought to present themselves as living sacrifices again not living flowers living sacrifices not 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 some uh, some easy life no this we ought to be this is going to be a sacrifice the, the truth is in the word right there a living sacrifice is exactly that and you know we are purchased at a high price and we are not our own but we belong to him and number two is our minds belong to God. So what does it mean to be a Christian? Well, we see that our bodies belong to God and now that our minds belong to God. That's why Paul says, do not be conformed to this age, right? But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. As a man thinketh, so he is. We cannot allow the world to penetrate our minds constantly, 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 and with all kinds of things, because the battle is real. Each and every one of us who have given our lives over to Jesus Christ, there is a battle. The battle rages, it is real. 
And, and we must understand this, that giving our life to Jesus doesn't mean that we take the, the foot off the gas and we just don't do anything. No, it means that now the battle is on. The battle for the mind, that we give it daily to the Lord. And He makes it possible. He gives us the power. He gives us the grace to be able to do this day by day. It's not our own strength. It is the strength of God within us day by day. And then that is how we worship Him. That is how we honor Him. That's what it means to be a Christian, a person who gives their mind to Christ, not to uh, government powers, not to a political uh, party, uh, not to a, a certain agenda, to Christ. We ought to be kingdom-minded. Whether you agree or not, whether you say amen or not, it is an amen. The Christian ought not to be uh, 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 lifting another banner, but the banner of Christ first and foremost. Our minds, we must understand this, that we, it, there is this battle raging within our minds. And, 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 and we understand that the devil, the world, and our flesh, it's, it, it's, it's a battle. And, and, and it impacts, and the way we think impacts this. You know, we, this is the three-headed monster after our minds. Either, either, either the devil, either the world is trying to penetrate our mind somehow and, and make us change course, or even ourselves, our own flesh, our, only, our own desires to live, to live a better life, to live a happier life, to live a much more comfortable life. And um, that is not what Jesus taught us. That's not what the Word says. You know, many walk darkened in this understanding. Many are darkened because they have given their minds over to the ways of the world. When we give our mind over to anything but Christ, He no longer sits at the throne. And that's what it means to be a Christian. That Jesus is at the throne of our minds. That He governs, not only by theology, not only in abstract ways, but He literally comes down into, into our everyday living. And the Gospel shapes the way we live our lives, the way we think, the way we act. It, does, it, it impacts us. So what does it mean to be a Christian? It doesn't mean just you go to church every Sunday. It doesn't mean part of a, of a certain group. It doesn't mean you're, you know, that you carry a nice Bible around. It means that you've given your bodies for a living sacrifice unto the Lord day to day. Not only that, it means that you give your mind over to Him. Because as you think, you shall live. And um, this is a day-to-day -day task. You know, earthly minds are only focused on the me, myself, and I. The earthly mind is not focused upon the heavenly. And that's why Paul draws us in, in, in Colossians. He says, you know, when he speaks to the church, he says, if you have been raised up with Christ, if you have been raised up, not since, it says, if you have been raised up with Christ. In other words, if you are a true follower of Jesus Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. You know, earthly minds have their eyes only below, and they cave into the ways, the trends, the problems of this present world. When you're earthly minded, all you're concerned about is what you're going to eat tomorrow, what you're going to wear tomorrow, what you're going to do tomorrow. Um, how are you going to please yourself tomorrow? Uh, earthly minds cannot please God. And this is why, what does it mean to be a Christian? Uh, you know, Christianity 101, give your body, give your mind daily to the Lord. It is a living sacrifice. You know, not only that, you know, we ought to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. The only way we're going to be transformed is if we're constantly in the Word of God. He alone has the power to transform minds, not self-help books, 
not, not these agendas of positive thinking. It is God, it is Christ through the Holy Spirit that can transform our minds. And we must move from the earthly up to the heavenly and understand that we are not of this world. The world is changing day to day. Every single day, we don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. And literally as we speak, as you're listening to this, the world is changing. And, um, and if you haven't noticed, a lot of people, uh, you know, they have anxiety, doubt, they're afflicted. They got, you know, they're worried about what they're going to eat, what they're going to do. You know, they're worried about everything. And, and, and Christ calls us to a much higher calling than that. To not rely upon the flesh, not rely upon the things of the world, but to keep our minds focused on the mission at hand. And the enemy is good at this. He distracts Christians all the time, distracts us off our mission. What does it mean to be a Christian? It means that we give ourselves unto God. Not that we just sign a paper, be part of a specific congregation, and I'm a Christian. No, that doesn't make us a Christian. Giving our life over to Him. Demonstrating it by the way we live and act. Remember this. It is the Word of God that can renew our minds. It is the very Word of God that can renew our minds and transform our minds, instruct our minds. You know, society wants to delete the Word of God from every arena of life. You know, because they want us to listen to another voice. They want us to listen and cave in to the voice of society and to the voice of change, to the voice of what's politically correct, to the voice of equality, to the voice of whatever else is trending. And because of this, we must be more in the Word of God. We must understand what the text says. You know, and how does this apply to my life right now, this very moment? You know, you know, and as if we're not careful with this, we're going to be listening to the voice of the world, the voice of culture, the voice of propaganda, the voice of politics, of marketing schemes, and all these other empty channels that cannot transform our minds. It only pollutes. It only fills us with vanity. It only distracts us. And if you can see that the world, look at the world. It's in chaos. Because their minds are focused on the earthly, and the church cannot be distracted over this. we got to make sure that our channel is tuned in to God's Word. Tune in your mind, you know, mold your mind, train your mind to think like Christ, to put your mind upon the heavenly. And that is why we go, we go to Scripture, because all Scripture is inspired by God. It is God-breathed, theonustos, active and living. And again, this is not some sort of tale. This book is a powerful book. It, it's not a, a, a trend pass. Uh, uh, all these things that are going on will pass. Everything will pass. The Word of God will remain. Everything else is going to be done away with. But His Word will remain. Again, remember this, brothers and sisters. It is the Word of God that has the power to impact lives. Not my positive thinking. Not just my, uh, my agenda for this, my agenda for that. No, it is the very Word of God. Preached in the power of the Holy Spirit. It lived out in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, we cannot be spiritually starved and expect our minds to be renewed day by day. We cannot expect to be, be our lives be transformed and modified and changed to look more like Christ if I'm spiritually starved, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm fed in the flesh by other things. And that is why, as you think and as you feed yourself, so you will live. You know, if you're if you're filled with doubt, concern, anxiety, uh, troubles, and, and whatever else comes with the package, uncertainty, uh, discontent, you know, you got to ask yourselves. Uh, am, am I in the Word of God? Am I reading it? Am I delighting in it? Am I trusting Jesus? 
or am I, or is this just a Sunday thing? You know, or is this just a weekly thing, uh, this weekly uh, club that I attend? No, that's not what it means to be a Christian. What it means to be a Christian is that I embrace the gospel within my life and I live it out. And that I live as Christ would want me to live, worthy of the gospel. You know, we must preach the word to see minds renewed. If we want the world to be, to be impacted, you know, we need to preach the word. And that's why he, he, draws, he, he calls the church in this exhortation. He says, do not be conformed to this world, to this age. Don't be like the world if you want to impact the world. You're not to imitate the world, but you ought to imitate Christ. Again, this is, uh, this is Christianity 101. We have been called out. You know, we have been, we have been made holy. We have been uh, cleansed. And we ought not to be imitators of the world. You know, um, you know when sinners entice you, do not consent. Uh, you know, we ought to live like Christ lived. And live a life that is worthy of the gospel. You know, and, and when Paul speaks to Timothy, uh, in 2 Timothy 4.3, he says, The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. You know, when Paul says these words to Timothy, you know, you ask yourselves, you know, it, it almost seems like he's speaking to us right now. And, um, and, and in a sense, he is. Um, you know, the time will come when people will not endure, people will not even want to hear what God's word wants to say. They would rather hear something false. They would rather hear what, uh, what, what, what this person says, what this person says, but they don't want to hear God's word. You know, they're not going to endure healthy teaching, sound doctrine that can change their lives. Again, the enemy does a good job in blinding, distracting people, you know, but wanting to have their ears tickled. Again, people want to hear what's positive, what's new, what's trending. Um, you know, uh, what's politically correct, you know, and our job is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, in truth and love. Yes, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, uh, to everybody. But we need to do this. And, and this is when we marry theology and ethics in our lives. And we see how uh, a true dedicated worship service, a true sacrificial living is possible with God. You know, you know, we cannot change the word of God, brothers and sisters. We cannot modify and change just to fit society. The times are coming and, uh, and uh, they're coming quickly. When, when the word of God is trying to be deleted out of everywhere. Churches are trying to be, people are trying to silence Christians. Trying to silence uh, Christian institutions. Trying to silence uh, 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 any sort of uh, uh, Christian or Protestant influence, evangelical influence. They're trying to silence us. And our job is to speak the word of God, not only when it's easy. You know, we ought to look around. We ought to look to our brothers and sisters in Syria, in, in, in Pakistan, in China, in Korea, in different, different places of the world. Let's just look to them. And for an example, what it means to be a Christian, you know, when, when, when you're an enemy of the state. What does it mean to be a Christian? And, and, and they look at the same book. They look at the same text. And yes, their lives are in danger, but yet they embrace the gospel because they believe it. It's not just a Sunday school class. It's a lifestyle. They're not looking just for an applause, for an amen. They're looking to glorify God with their minds, with their hearts. They're looking to live a life for Jesus Christ. They're not looking for the biggest conference. They're looking to fill their heart with the Holy Spirit. They're not looking for the, for the latest concert. They're looking to worship God in spirit and truth. And 
we too, we need to look to this as an example. Am I presenting my body? Am I giving my mind over to him? Does he sit at the throne of my mind? You know, remember this, it is the word of God that is a light, that is a lamp. You know, it is our compass, it is our sword. It is how we know the one true God. How else can we know God without the scriptures? How else can we know him? How else can we know the one who can transform our minds and renew us day to day? So we, what does it mean to be a Christian is that we give our bodies over to him. It means that we give our mind over to him completely. It means that we give our will over to God. And um, let me just make a note, one more note about your mind. If your mind is a place where you can worship God and um, where God ought to be seated at the throne. And we have to understand this, that if Jesus Christ is not at the throne of your mind, it's going to be a jungle of sin. It's going to be a place of complete chaos, of worry and doubt. And we need to surrender that to him. Why is that? Because of our will. Because if we're thinking a certain thing, a certain way, we're going to demonstrate it by which will we choose. To live our own will or to give our will over to God and live his will. You know, the, the will of God, we know that it is good, it is acceptable, and it is perfect. You know, as the Word of God is renewing our minds, we will find out that there is a change in our desires. There is a change in the way I think. There is a change in my ambitions. There is a change uh, in, in my habits. There is a change in my motives. Because the Word of God is actively cleansing me. Um, and um, it, is, you know, it is a surrender of, of the will to Him who knows us best. Remember this, He knew us before we were. He formed us. He brought us here. And why not give over our life over to Him instead of thinking that we know more than Him and living our own agenda in this world? You know, at the end of life, it comes down to this. You know, the Gospels, there is this text that says, you know, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? That, that's, that, again, that is another great question. What will it profit you who are listening if you gain everything that you can possibly gain? Fame, riches, fortune, um, accolades, whatever else, you want to, whatever else you want to add to that. The best of the best. And then your soul is forfeited. In other words, you give up your soul for a plate of stew. It's not worth it. It's just not worth it. When we look at, when we look at scripture, when we know who God is, we know that it's not worth it. We know that we know that what's coming is much greater, it's much better than what we have right now. And the enemy and the world, the flesh, have its own agenda. And we must know the Christ agenda. And that is why we go into the scriptures. We don't go to the local pastor. We don't go to the local conference. We don't go to uh, the local this, the local. We go first to the scriptures. What does the Bible say? What is it to be a Christian? It comes from the Word of God. This is where we learn this. We extract this from here. The, 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 when we do a proper exegete of the text, we see, okay, this is, this is who God is. You know, we, 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 this is what God requires of man. This is what pleases God. This is what is worthy of, his, uh, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let us be on guard from the love of self. So we don't live our own will out, but we live His will, not our will. And when we say that daily, let your will be done, not my will. When you wake up in the morning, when we wake up in the morning, that we think on the heavenly, we say, God, 
I don't know what's going to happen today, but let your will be done and not mine. And, and that is what it means to be a Christian, that we give ourselves over to him. You know, and again, um, basic Christianity 101, giving our bodies, giving our mind, giving our will over to him who created us and knows us best. You know, and again, in verses 1 and 2, we see a living sacrifice. Simple overview on this. You know, that we ought to live a life that is holy, that is acceptable, that is a rational service of worship unto God, and that we not be conformed to this age. Remember this. This is not some sort of cute verse. This is, this is the word of God. That as the world changes, we ought not to conform. We ought not to change who we are in Christ. We are not to modify the scriptures. We ought to live this out continuously. In fact, when the world begins to get more dark, there begins to be more lights. You know, as sin increases, grace will abound. We must trust Jesus. We must trust his word. We must hold fast to the anchor of life. In verses three to eight, we see that there's many gifts. We see this relationship uh, that not only, not only am I to live a living and holy sacrifice, but my life is to be a blessing unto the church. You know, th th there are many gifts, but there's one body. And we see this, that, uh, you know, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly, right? And, and Paul speaks of prophecy according to the proportion of his faith. If, ser if service in his serving, or he, he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So what do we see? We have... You know, we have been created not for ourselves, but for the glory of God and to serve one another. That's what it means to love God and love neighbor. This is what it means to be a Christian, that we serve one another, that God has gifted the body, that God has given you talents. God has given you abilities to bless one another. We bless one another when we serve God and, and, and by who we are and with, with, with what he's given us. You know, we want, you know, we have, we have been created not to serve ourselves, but to serve one another. You know, what God, um, what God has given us, you know, the gifts He's given us, it's not for ourselves. You know, we are not our own in all senses, not just in, in, in this body, but in, in what I do. We, we, live, we live to serve, to serve God and others. And um, we need to keep the focus, loving God, loving neighbor. That's what it means to be a Christian. To be a Christian is not just to give yourself over to God uh, completely, but it is also to serve one another. You know, it's not just to sit in your house, um, in your living room, and, um, and just pray uh, for everybody else and never be involved with other believers. We need fellowship. We need one another. Again, theology and ethics, your behavior, your pattern of living, it needs to be demonstrated. We ought to desire to be with the fold, uh, to be together with God's people. Uh, we ought to desire that. I know in these times it's difficult, but there ought to be something within us saying, man, I want to be with my brother and sister. I want to serve. And um, may we pray that God will help us understand this is what it means to be a Christian, that we serve one another. And not only that, you know, in, in verses 9 to 21, uh, we see Christian conduct. We see Christian ethics 101. You know, as we read this, it is self-explanatory. You don't need to know Greek. You don't need to know the language. You don't need to go to the best theological seminary. You read it, and that's what it says. And this is what it means to be a Christian, whether 
there's prosperity or whether there's need, whether there's persecution or whether there's just times of joy. It doesn't matter what time. It doesn't matter the season. The word remains the word of God. And so what do we have here? Let love be without hypocrisy. In fact, let me read it all to you. Verses 9 to 21. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take revenge, never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. What does it mean to be a Christian? This is what it means to be a Christian. It means that we live to these standards. The standards don't change because the world changes. The standards don't change because people get offended. The standards don't change because maybe you uh, uh, want to be more politically correct. The standard stays the same. You know, we have, um, we have, you know, we haven't been created the same. We all think differently. We all, we all have all been created uh, uh, in, 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 uh, in God's uh, sovereign, uh, sovereign mind in different ways. But the word of God is the word of God. And we all, we all need to live up to this word. You know, in like a beautiful poem uh, of Christian living, we read this, you know, th this is like a poetic. This is like a beautiful song to us. Uh, this is like a beautiful reminder of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ right now in 2020. Right now, when, you know, we're halfway into the year and we just don't know what's going to happen next. Uh, when, you know, it just seems like nothing, nothing else can happen. Um, it might happen. And we need to understand this, that like a beautiful poem of Christian living, you know, we read these words, uh, you know, it, it'll do well to read these daily and allow them to shape our thinking. You know, the world is changing fast in our daily lives. And we as followers of Christ need to grab hold of these truths and this anchor and keep to his word. So the Christian standard, like I said, of living doesn't reduce. It doesn't change because society changes. The word of God remains the word of God. And that is why we go to it. Because as Paul says, you know, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why is that? Because as society changes, we need the anchor. We need the firm rock. We need something to, to stand upon, and it is the word of God. So the battle of good and evil is before our very eyes. And the Christian struggle is to discern, uh, you know, th th that is the Christian struggle, is to discern, uh, you know, nowadays, what is good, what is acceptable, and what is perfect, what is pleasing to the Lord. That is why we need discernment right now. What pleases God? What is acceptable before Him? What is a pleasing aroma unto the Lord? What, what does the perfect will of God look like? Well, it is through the Word of God that those windows that we draw, we tap into that chamber, and we're able to understand certain things of life. 
And during these times, we ought to be careful not to call what is evil good and what is good evil. And that is what is happening as we speak. People call good evil and evil good. And as a Christian, we ought to guard ourselves. You know, do not be overcome by evil. What a beautiful way to end this, this, this section right here. You know, but overcome evil with good. You know, evil will never be able to conquer evil. You cannot conquer evil with evil. We need good, and that comes from God. You're not going to be able to change the world by more evil, by your own agenda. You know, we need to learn how to drown evil in good. We need to learn how to drown all evil in the goodness of God. As we look, if we look around us, you know, we don't ignore what's going on around us, but we know that our God is good. He is holy. He's faithful. And He will help us at all times. And again, let us not call evil good and good evil as society does. And with these closing words, just remember this, brothers. Do not be overcome by evil. You know, as the world is changing, don't let evil overcome your life, but overcome evil with good. The only way that will be possible is if Christ is at the throne of your minds. If Christ is seated at the center of your heart in the deepest chamber, if Christ is, is the owner of this body, if the Holy Spirit truly dwells here, then we ought to live ways that honor Him and that, that, that glorify Him. And by that, we will be able to overcome uh, day to day and have victory over sin. I pray that your life will be blessed, will be ministered, and I pray that uh, your life um, will, will demonstrate that you're truly a Christian. So what does it mean to be a Christian? That is a question that you need to answer yourself. You're looking at Scripture. You know, looking at God's word, what does it mean to be a follower of the Son of God? What does it mean to be a follower of the Anointed One? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Heavenly Father, we uh, come before you just thanking you. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we look at Scripture, specifically Romans chapter 12, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will open up our minds and hearts. I pray that you will teach us, as Scripture says, what does it mean to be a Christian, Lord? What does it mean to give our minds over to you, to give our bodies over to you, to give our passions, our desires, our will? What, is, what does that look like on a day-to-day -day basis? And I pray that our theology and our ethics will be married day-to-day -day, and that our Christian behavior will be one that honors you and glorifies you. I thank you for the saints. I thank you for the church. We pray for the nation, Lord. We pray that you bless our, our, our governing officials and we pray that you put Christians around them people that can preach the word of God. Uh, we pray that for the church, uh, we pray that the church will stay the course, that the church will trust in Jesus during these difficult times. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.